Hello, beauty babes. Welcome back to another episode of Center Stage Beauty Podcast. On today's podcast, we'll be covering hair and the hair industry. What is a hairstylist? Hairdressers or hairstylists provide coloring, chemical hair treatments, and styling in addition to shampoos and cuts and serve both female and male clients. According to Talent.com, the average stylist salary in the USA is $39,975 per year or $20.50 per hour. Entry-level positions start at $33,150 per year, while most experienced workers make up to $52,978 per year. This salary figure can be off and based on how the hair industry is. This is not enough data that can cover the bonus structure and the extra commission and tips these professionals can earn. Certain salaries are often left out, such as hair entrepreneurs, hair artists, hair braiders, barbers, fashion, theater, film, and TV hairstylists, and the list goes on and on, who usually go on to make upwards to 100 to 200K a year. Here's a simple example from ZipRecruiter.com. As of November 6, 2022, the average annual pay for a freelance hairstylist in New York is $92,345 a year. Just in case you need a simple salary calculator that works out to be approximately $44.40 an hour, this is equivalent to $1,775 per week or $7,695 per month. Education requirements vary somewhat by state, so find out what's necessary where you plan to work. Most states require stylists to have a minimum of a high school diploma or equivalent in order to obtain a cosmetology license. Stylists can apply for licensure by exam after successful completion of a state-approved barber or cosmetology school. Programs typically require nine months of full-time study, but can vary. The online resource, Beauty Schools Directory, states that the average cost for cosmetology school in 2020 was $10,000. Not surprisingly, schools in the large metropolitan areas, such as New York and Boston, are typically more expensive, while schools in the suburban and rural locations are often less. Financial aid may be available, so talk with your school officials before making a commitment to enroll. This data was collected from Chrome.com. Today's guest is someone very close to me. Her name is Kai, and she hails all the way from Trinidad and Tobago, just like myself, and she is a top-tier hairstylist. Hi, Kai. I'm so glad to have you on this platform. How are you? I'm doing well, Kelly. Thank you so much for having me here. Wonderful. Kai, for all the viewers and listeners, can you discuss where you're from? So I am originally born and raised in Brooklyn, New York. However, both of my parents are from Trinidad and Tobago. So I spent most of my life in both countries. Um, in my early childhood, I did go to school in Trinidad. Mm -hmm. And then as I got a little bit older, um, I started first grade in New York. So I was pretty much bi-coastal all throughout my life. Okay, great. Yeah. 
So do you have any siblings and what effect did that have on you growing up? I have about three siblings. Mm-hmm. I have an older brother. He's the oldest of us all. Uh, older sister and a younger sister. My older siblings were born in Trinidad. Mm-hmm. And my little sister and I were born here. So we did have a little bit of a disconnect in the beginning. But my mom made it a point to have us all um, over time grow up together. So we are united, but we aren't super close. Got it. And how were you as a child growing up? I was like an outdoors kid. I played a lot because I had the luxury of being able to travel to Trinidad. Summer vacations, I was at the beach. I was climbing trees, playing with cousins. My family have a lot of cousins and aunts and uncles. So Mm -hmm. even though me and my siblings were close and growing up, we tend to hang out with the cousins that were our ages. So our cousins became our sisters and brothers, and we were just like a huge family. Wonderful. Yeah. Now, I want to know, how was it like? Because I know you said you were bicoastal, but how was it like growing Mm -hmm. up in both Trinidad and New York and what you took from growing up in both places? I loved Trinidad so much more, only (laughs) because I had all my family there. Right. So, like, school was cool. It was fun, but, like, there was no beaches in Brooklyn. I mean, Coney Island and Manhattan. But my mom is from Trinidad, so she's very conservative. Right. She was not letting me go to Coney Island Beach to hang out or anything like that. So I want you in the house. Yes, exactly. So want you where we can see you. Exactly. So <laughs> I loved being in Trinidad. I felt like I was getting a little bit of freedom because right. mom isn't there. Yeah. Dad is a little bit more relaxed and um, I'd run away with my cousins and climb mango trees, get stuck in them, mm-hmm. go to the beach, sneak back, act like we didn't go, you know, those kinds of things. So I love Trinidad a lot more. Whenever I was in New York, I felt like it was more strict. Right. And I couldn't relate to a lot of young kids my age. Mm-hmm. I My household did not play the same music. We didn't watch the same things on TV and I wasn't allowed to play on the block. So a lot of times if I stayed here for the summer, I didn't, I was bored, you know? Mm -hmm. So I liked being in Trinidad a lot more. Mm -hmm. I missed out on the blackout summer and all that stuff that happened here. So (laughs) it's okay. And how did your relationship with hair develop? I have a love-hate relationship with hair. In the very beginning, I never liked combing my hair. Right. So my family thinks it's hilarious that I became a hairdresser. But I didn't like combing my hair because I didn't like how it felt. It, It hurt. I didn't like my hair being tugged and pulled. And I always was that kid that pretty much if I didn't like how something was being done, I figured out a way to do it myself. So eventually I started doing my own hair, doing my sis- my little sister's hair. My mom let me do her hair right. and I would like do little roller sets for her. Nice. And it was like more of a side thing. It was never really looked at as I'm going to take this into a serious business right. until I got into my adult life. Right. But at what age, um, if you can remember yeah. or if you can go as far back, you were less like, oh, this was when it really started. Could you remember like a specific time? Yeah, it was pretty recent, actually. 
Um, when I was around 23, mm-hmm. I really, before that, I really wanted to be um, in English education. Mm-hmm. And um, I went to school. I was a teacher's aide and I really hated it. And I wanted to take a break. And my mom was like, you know, you can't just do nothing. Right. What are you going to do? Mm-hmm. And at the time, I had a friend that was in cosmetology school. And I was like, well, I like I can do here. I do everyone's here. I'll do that. Right. Around that time, as I enrolled, my dad passed away. Mm. And I had to make a choice if I was really going to pursue this thing or am I going to take a break and really just like gather my thoughts and figure life out. Mm -hmm. And um, my dad lived in Trinidad, so I had to go there. While I was there, the recruiter for the beauty school I was in, she reached out to me just to make sure I was okay. Mm -hmm. And she just let me know that I wouldn't have to worry about financial aid or anything like that. If you're applying for beauty school, you would realize that when you apply, once you pass a certain period, you cannot defer. You have to go through or you will still owe the money. So I was already enrolled and she called to let me know I don't have to worry about that problem. Right. Because of this is a different matter. Mm-hmm. And I thought that her kindness was just it just carried it with me. And mm-hmm. it, it carried me enough to make me want to stick with it. Right. And I made a decision that day that everything that I do is going to work out. Wonderful. And it's been working it's been out. It's working out. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Now, um, was your family supportive um, when you started beauty school? How did that go? Did you receive the support that you needed to pursue <laughs> that newfound career? I would say yes and no. Okay. Break it down. Right. So I would say no. My younger self would say no, because how I thought support is, is like what I ask you for is what I want to Mm -hmm. be supported. Right. Right. Whereas you can have support in many different ways. And I feel like um, maybe not emotionally. My mom supported me, but financially she did. Okay. Because. Like I said, I've always been that kid that if I made a decision and I wanted to do something, I was going to do it. Mm -hmm. So once I was firm in my decision, my mom kind of had that epiphany that I was not going to turn back. Right. But, you know, I don't think that she fully supported it because, like I said, I was going to school for English education. And then I was like, well, I just want to be a hairdresser. And in our culture, you know, they don't know what that really means, you know, I grew up in Flatbush, Brooklyn. So what she's seeing as hair salons, she didn't think that I would thrive as far as an adult and having monetary income and be able to support myself Mm -hmm. if I stayed in that field. Correct. And so it took a lot of um, showing her that the beauty industry is so much more. This license can take you so So far. And so... A lot of that was me just showing my family that it doesn't need to be what your definition of a hairdresser or beauty is. I'm going to show you what I think beauty is and the type of hairdresser that I want to be. And I can do it and still be productive and be financially safe and support myself into my adulthood. Amazing. Yeah. Now, how did you adjust your mindset? Mm -hmm knowing that you didn't have the full support of mom 
to take it to the next level? I think what really helped me was I had great teachers. Okay. I loved my beauty school teachers. Like, I think that I'm still part of the educational field because Mm -hmm. I've had such great educators and they're so important, Mm -hmm. but they also help to mentor me. And to this day, I still have a beauty school teacher that if I have any issues, I can call her. And I graduated like 10 years ago. Oh, I want to know who that teacher is. Yeah. Because I didn't have that great of an experience when I went to beauty school. Okay. And you viewers don't know that Kai and I, we graduated from the same beauty school. I graduated one year before Kai. Yeah. And when I first started, I didn't have, you know, just, you know, I come from like a makeup world. Yes. And I was like getting into hair for like the first time. And hair and makeup is like one week of of cosmetology school, maybe two weeks. Right. And my instructor, you know, tore me down every day and told me, you know, like, this is not for you. I think you should reconsider. Oh, wow. And I did not have the support of my family because I was the only like artsy one to begin with and now i'm doing here okay let's see how this one this is gonna turn out exactly oh she's doing this another oh she's doing this this next thing (laughs) so um i really had to really like dig deep and sometimes when people demotivate you Mm -hmm. so much you can either go off the rails or you can take from that and that pushes you yes and i took from that and that pushed me to become the hairstylist that I am today. Like, I can do this. I belong here. Yeah. I don't care what you say. Kelly Alfonso is here. Yeah. And what do I need? If I need, okay, what I, I just need to practice. Yeah. If I practice enough, I can perfect it and I can go from there. So I'm glad that you had that, that mentorship. Yes. Because that's really important, especially in the early stages yeah in the early stage of your career because i I wouldn't have known where to go and how to navigate exactly because um like i said my mind was already full so my my dad passed october 3rd Mm -hmm. my birthday is october 25th my first day of beauty school is october 28th and you know he passed in a different country so all of that in the beginning i was in a different country taking care of my dad and then came back here and started school And it was really important for me to have the right energies around me. And Mm -hmm. I think that, like, my dad just kind of blessed me in that way that he just guided those, the right people in my circle. Mm -hmm. It wasn't all easy. Right. Absolutely. I I did have, like, you know, my my first week of beauty school, I did have uh, other girls in beauty school want to know why I was so reserved and quiet in the back. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I think it's it's sad, but sometimes when you are quiet and you're reserved, people think that it's an opportunity to pick on you. Right. And um, I quickly just let everyone know that I am not here to be picked on. Mm Mm-hmm. I'm here with a goal. I have a lot on my mind. I have a destination to go to and I'm going to get it done. So I did that. I had the right people mentoring me. Mm-hmm. I was working in retail. Right. Yes. Full time. Mm-hmm. And I worked for a company for three years. And it was a great company. For a retail company, they definitely gave, it was a union. So they they, they had your back. But after working for three years and deciding to go to school and being full-time, I had to reduce my hours. Right. And I believe at the time management didn't appreciate that because Mm -hmm. I was no longer going to be accessible in the same way. And so they cut my hours completely. 
I was, I remember going to one of my beauty school instructors and just being like, I don't know how I'm supposed to do this. You know, I'm trying to navigate that situation. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And she was like, don't worry about it. Fill out this 1099 form, go to financial aid. And I was able to um, get partial unemployment, not have to worry about work and focus Focus just on on beauty school. school. And Mm -hmm. I finished in under the nine months and, um, you know, top of my class and it I think that just having that push of losing my dad just really drives me to know that. And Keep I also, going. Exactly. And I think yeah. that's really important for all the viewers that's out there. If you are working and you're struggling to make ends meet and you have this passion, you are, you are driven to go to beauty school and you really want to explore where what you can be or what you can become, but you don't want to lose your job, there's are these different avenues you can take and talk to people. And talk to people and get that mentorship and that guidance. Yes. And, and it's it's hard to know exactly like who to talk to, what to say, but you're never gonna figure it out if you don't start somewhere, right? Exactly. And I've I've had a journey where I've worked for people that, you know, I realized that this is not going to be a permanent home for me. Right. But I'm gonna take what I can, learn what I can, and move forward with with all the tools that I've gotten in this place because things don't happen to you. They happen for you. Exactly. And so you're in this situation because there's something for you to learn. It's either a blessing or a lesson or it's both. So that's how I choose to see every situation and just kind of roll with the punches and just know that like life is like a wheel. Sometimes mm-hmm. you're at there's the top. trial, there's error. Sometimes you're on the there's side. Tribulations. Sometimes mm-hmm. you're right at the bottom, mm-hmm. but it's going to turn. It's going to turn. Yeah. Right? Sometimes you got it and sometimes you don't, but you'll always have that opportunity to get it again. So exactly. just keep going forward. Well said. Now, I want to know, what made you successful? And the viewers want to know, what made you so successful in the hair industry? That drive to keep going. Yeah. Um, I think that there are moments with, with all of us in any industry right, where you're like, what am I doing? <laughs> right? Why am I doing this? Like, is this okay? Like, if I do this, am I going to get, if I do A, would I get B? Like, is it really? And I think just taking that risk and I think that everything that I do, I want to put love and light out there. I am a spiritual person. So Mm -hmm. I put God into everything that I do and I pray on it. And, you know, that drive, the mentorship, setting goals. I laugh because I think hairdressers are dopamine fiends. Anyone that work with their hands are dopamine fiends, meaning we want instant reward for what we are doing right now. So if I do something, I want to see a result. Right. And my reward in doing here is those that smile. I know that like if a client sits in my chair, I can switch that mood and that's rewarding. I can create something on that person mm-hmm. and that's rewarding. Yeah. And so all of those things, setting a goal and achieving it, I'm like, ooh. <laughs> yeah. And also, too, I wanted to add to what you said, because we've spoken about this offline before, that who you surround yourself is essentially a little bit of who you're going to become and how your tribe is so important. Yes. And just because you have one, you're born into a tribe, that doesn't mean that's the tribe you're going to end up with. Exactly. You're probably going to navigate through a couple of different tribes before you figure out what you want your tribe to be like. And Mm -hmm. maybe you fit into someone else's tribe or maybe you built that on your own, Mm -hmm. but it is going to be a lot of hit or miss and figuring it out. And, 
you know, I started off in a departmentalized kind of salon where I had to pick who I wanted to be. Do I want to do one thing? And I realized over time, I don't want to do one thing. I don't want to be stuck in one situation. If a client comes to me, I want to see her all the way through sure. from start to finish because that puts passion and it fulfills me to do something and then send her away right. to someone else to finish it. Right. It didn't feel good. Not saying that it's wrong, wrong because but... some people may love that, mm-hmm. but you need to figure out what works for, for you, you yeah. and what makes you feel good because this is a very emotional job. It is. It's a demanding job, right? It's physically, emotionally demanding. You have to be on your feet all the time. You are people's therapist. You have to create and you have to perform. And you also have to not put your pressures and your stress onto people. Mm -hmm. So no matter what you're going through, you still have to kind of hold that in because people are coming to you for release. So your battery has to be charged. Oh yeah. (laughs) And I mean, we live in New York where we wear millions of different hats. It's hard. It's hard to have a full, fully charged battery a hundred percent of the time. So a lot of times you're pulling from nothing. Right. So finding your tribe and navigating, it's very important, but do it at your pace Mm -hmm. and stand firm in who you want to be and who you are. Once you figure that out. And how have you secured your client base? I, well, social media has helped a lot. How we met, we got to talk about that. Listen, I am not a big fan of social media. I am one of those people where I feel like it is definitely a job. Mm -hmm. It's a task. I have to put it into my schedule. Mm -hmm. I have to constantly... um, Think of content all the time. It does not flow naturally for me. Um, Exactly. And for the viewers, I met Kai through social media. media. Um, My husband was looking at, you know, colorists. He saw Kai's page and he's like, oh my gosh, you need to see her work. Like she is an amazing colorist. So Mm -hmm. I go to her work and I was just like, oh my gosh, like her work is like solid. Thank you. Like really good. And I messaged her. Mm-hmm. No, no, no. I didn't message you. You saw that I liked yes. a couple of your photos. And then I started following you. And then days. you peeped in my stories. Uh-huh. <laughs> and you're like, oh, I'm going to follow. And then you followed me back. Uh-huh. And then I was like, okay. She's looking. Okay, I'm, I'm going to schedule an appointment. And then we did a consultation. For free. Yeah. She's like, okay, I want to I wanna see what I'm working with. Let me speak with you. Let's touch talk base to first. Yeah. And I want to hear what are your concerns. And I felt like that was so great to hear from a colorist that, you know, I would like to speak to you first before you sit in my chair. I want to know what are your concerns. I want to know how I can make you feel more beautiful. Mm-hmm. I want to know what I can to make you just feel better about your hair. And I was just like, that's incredible. Thank like, you. and my hair is all the way down to my butt. So I was like, oh, this is perfect. What are your top strategies for success? My top strategies really is finding good mentorship. I think that everyone needs a bit of education and leadership. It doesn't matter how far you have gone. There's someone that's already been there and done it. And there is always something to learn. Exactly. Setting goals, realistic goals, mm-hmm. right? 
and being able to bend and flex and roll with the punches because you ever want to make God laugh? Tell him your plans, right? Right. Not all the time. Look, the pandemic happened. I literally was like, this is going to be my year of travel. I started off at um, Trinidad like- Carnival. I remember my plane landed back in New York February 28th. I worked at the salon I was at for two weeks and then the world shut down. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, it's just four months. And it was not. So mm-hmm. that entire year of travel, you know, that didn't happen. But that doesn't mean that you give up on things. Exactly. Right? I was out of work from like February, from March to June. Do I just quit working completely? Do I quit living? Do I quit having goals? Mm-hmm. No, you you have to kind of just say, you know what? This happened. How am I going to move forward? Right. What can I take from this? Why did this happen? Right. What was in it in this circumstance that I can take and move forward? Right. You know? So basically you just reevaluated. Yeah. But you kept those goals. Yes. And you kept pushing. You got to keep pushing. pushing. Yeah. Even when it doesn't seem, even when you're like, what am I doing? You wake up, you're like, what am I doing? Mm-hmm. You have to just keep doing. Right. Yeah. Just keep doing. I think if you're a good person, like I strive to just everything I do, I want to spread love and light. And mm-hmm. if, if that's my focus, I think everything will work out. Even if it, in the moment it doesn't feel that way, it always ends up working yeah. out. Working out, right? Yeah. What you put in, what energy you put in is what you're going to get back. Exactly. Be uh, careful what you ask for. Right? Because you just might get, get it. it. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> what are the most helpful resources that helped you along your way? I know you kept, I know you say mentorship. Yes. Education. Yes. Guidance. Yes. But other than, other than those top three, mm-hmm. what you know, really pushed you? What, if you didn't have those top three, what really pushed you? Um, I think that my family and that drive to always just want to do, be something and do something well, you know, Mm -hmm. I was raised in a way that like, you know, you do something, you want to do it well. I just want to be able to provide for myself, provide for my family. Right. And, you know, I grew up with a lot of love and support. So I think those things just motivate me. I don't want to let I do hear I'm a people pleaser. I don't want to let my family down, down either, yeah. you know, or let myself down. Yeah. Yeah. Because the end goal for me, at least, you know, I have one parent left. If I could just have her relax and live a life of luxury as she just That's ages, it. That, that'll be great. Yeah. You know, she took care of me. So. so you can do the same in return. Exactly. Got it. And how are you different right now to your old self? Oh, well, I have finally reached the third floor. <laughs> so I'm in my 30s now. And um, really? Yeah. So oh, um, early 30s. <laughs> okay, okay, early 30s. <laughs> yeah, just hitting, just hitting the third floor. But I would say I'm definitely more calm. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not as reactive. I am not as emotional. I have come to terms where I am not the star and the center of everyone's reality. You know, I think in your twenties, everyone you meet, you think that like, they think about you after you've met them. And no, people go home and they live their lives in it. You know, I think that that's a big lesson Mm -hmm. coming out of your twenties because you think you do think that the world revolves around you and you are a little bit more reactive. And I think that I don't 
allow myself to absorb and take a lot of stuff home. Exactly. Okay. I, I let it roll off of me. I let the moments happen and just let it go. And I remember to breathe because that was one thing. I just didn't breathe. You know, it's just always go, 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 go. go. And then so your energy by the end of that, you're like, like a cat, right? You're like, your back is like art. You've just been going, going, going. Your shoulders are down. You have everything on you. And then I go home and I sit in the dark because I just want nothing but silence. So Mm -hmm. I feel like my older self kind of just don't allow myself to absorb things that are not meant for me. Right. You know, I see it, but I don't need to take it on. Take Not it everything on. is for me to take on. Right. So now you're able to just channel and streamline things. Yes. To your energy. Yes. To your liking and what works well for you. Yes. Gotcha. And, and control, have better control of my own emotions. Yeah. Yeah. What's the most difficult part about being a hairstylist? Some of the viewers want to know. Well, what's what's because we hear about the good, but we need a good. Sometimes you gotta, you know, there's good and bad. And what are the most difficult parts of being a hairstylist? I think the some of the most difficult parts of being a hairdresser is not questioning yourself, staying true to who you are and what you know, what you've learned, and what you believe. That comes with when you meet people, when you take on a new job, or when you have to create. If you, if a client asks you to do something that you know you're uncomfortable with doing, having that that kind of self uh, love and appreciation that you can say to your client, that integrity and say, I cannot do that for you. Here are some things that I can offer you. And if those don't work, here's someone else that can give you that service. Right. You are not going to lose a client that way. Mm-hmm. The moment you jump into something that you know you have no idea how to do it. You don't even have the foundations on how to do it. You're stressing yourself out. You know, people like honesty. Uh And it's the most stressful thing to have to stand there under pressure and provide and produce something that you don't know where to start and where to end with. It's just a disaster for everyone. So. Stick to your foundations and your fundamentals. You know how to cut hair, you can do a haircut, right? Uh-huh. But if you don't know how to bleach hair, don't take on a bleach, bleach job. Yeah. Take on a bleach class uh-huh. and then offer that client to come in as a model. Oh. Say, I've done these things right. and I know that you wanted this service. Here's what I've done. I've heard you. I've listened to you. And now I have this service to offer. This is what I can provide. I wasn't. Um, doing a lot of keratins, you know, uh-huh. and I went and I relearned different types of keratins. Uh-huh. So if there's ever something that I want to provide for a client or it's in high demand, I'm going to go take the class and learn it. I'm not going to say yes, yes, yes. Do uh-huh. not be a yes person if you know the answer is no. Right. And I think in the very beginning, it's hard because when you say no, you, you immediately think that, damn, people are going to think that I don't know what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. And that's not the case. And even if at the moment you don't know, you will know. Mm-hmm. So it's okay to say no no right now. Right. Yeah. Just going back, because mm-hmm. you, you mentioned that taking on a new job. Yeah. And then, because you know, for me, yes, I did a switch 
from yes. a stylist and I went into film and TV. Yes, which probably was very different. And my stress level yeah. was through the roof. Yeah. Because it's really performance-based. You have to know what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And then the you, styling, the wigs. And then you're you're in a new arena. Yes. Right? Yeah. Right now I I have my own um suite that I am I'm renting, right? Right. And so when I step in, this is my space. Right. right? Exactly. But when you start working new jobs, you're stepping into a new arena, right? Yeah. And so not only do you have to represent yourself, but you have to observe what you're stepping into. And really like reading the room. And knowing where you fit in there and if you fit in there. And sometimes you may not fit in there, but your work does the talking. Exactly. Or there are things for you to learn Learn. there. Mm -hmm. And that's just one step to get you to where you do fit, right? right? So it's all things that's happening for you. There's always things to learn in everything that you do. It's just going to get you to where you want to be. So as far as your transitions, Mm -hmm. you started off as an assistant. Assistant. Yes. I was a personal assistant for a senior stylist in a departmentalized salon. Right. In the city. So then from being there, I worked there for about six months. Mm Mm-hmm. And I tried to hang on as much as I could because I didn't want to be a quitter. Right. That was my first beauty school job, right? Mm-hmm. And in, I went to beauty school in Manhattan and they really hype you up about working in a Manhattan salon, almost like these Fortune 500 kind of setup salon industries. And so the day I hit my thousand hours, because it is a thousand hours for your cosmetology license in New York City, every state is going to have a different requirement. I remember one of my friends, she was the one, she finished her thousand hours a few hours before me. And she went and she told me, come interview for this salon. They have an open house. And the time that I got there was the end of the interviews. And I was like, I don't know if I should go in because, you know, I'm just getting here and the interview's just finished. And she was like, go. And I went and the salon owner was there. She interviewed me on the spot and I got the job. So in my mind, it was meant to be. I was supposed (laughs) to be there forever. (laughs) Right. Was it meant to be when you started working? Uh, No. (laughs) (laughs) So I quickly realized that that salon aesthetic and the makeup of that salon was just not um for me like it emotionally it just wasn't for, for me you. yeah um i learned a lot there because leaving beauty school and graduating top of your class you think you're not know to do here you do not know, know how to, to do, do here. here yeah um <laughs> so they were like do you not know a blow dry and i was like yeah not a blow dry and they're like okay so blow dry her and i was like i do not know oh, how God to blow dry yeah so i definitely i would say i went to blow dry boot camp in that salon and i learned how to do a real blow dry in the city and um yeah but just overall it just didn't feel well because again it it had like a kind of hierarchy kind of system and so if you weren't at the hierarchy you just didn't feel great right and i know how that can feel um because for some of the viewers, Kai and I, we took two different paths in our career. Mm-hmm. Kai went more into 
the salon. salon while I went into more of the corporate and salon management side. I decided that this was, it was more for me because I just had m- more experience you know, working, mm-hmm. you know, coming from that makeup and skincare background mm-hmm. um, and just working in management at a younger age that I just, you know, got my cosmetology license. Mm-hmm. And once I received it, I received an, an opportunity right then and there. Mm-hmm. Once, you know, I got the license and everything mm-hmm. to get into the spa and salon arena. Mm-hmm. Now, I applied, literally, I had to jump in do blowouts, yeah. do um, highlights, mm-hmm. balayage, baby lights, mm-hmm. the full works. And I worked on Fifth Avenue as well. Mm-hmm. And when I tell you, you have to know what a Manhattan top tier blowout is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I quickly understood yes. from the head of hair that ran the education mm-hmm. for the salon, what that should look like and exactly. what that should be. And if you are in this role, you need to know it all. Exactly. You know, I got the opportunity to work with different heads of different departments mm-hmm. from the head of esthetician, mm-hmm. nail tech, massage. Mm-hmm. So it's, you know, makeup and really pulling from all of those persons that, yeah. you know, have those roles that are really good at each and everything that they do mm-hmm. specifically and applying all of that to like, okay, Kelly, you can definitely up your skill in this, that, this, yes. this, and manage. Yes. And, you know, I'll, I can do it all. And a lot of the times when stylists did not come in for those nine o'clock early bird appointments, mm-hmm. I was the one exactly. doing the blowouts, exactly. running the water, making sure they had the hot water in the mm-hmm. morning, doing all of that, doing all of their carotene treatments. Yes. And just really doing it all. But yeah. I just want the viewers to know that there's many different paths you can take in this career. Mm-hmm. But it's important. It's very important to receive the guidance early on. So you know, okay, this is where I want to go. And this is where I need to be. This is the podcast I need to listen to. <laughs> to get all those helpful hints and tips of where I would like to be. Yes. Now, what are the biggest misconceptions of this industry? You would say? Well, I feel like there's, uh, depending on where you're from, right? When I started in the beauty industry, I think the biggest misconception is that you there's no money in beauty. Oh, yes. I've you heard know? that so many times. And the beauty industry is a billion-dollar industry. It is probably even a multi-billion-dollar industry. If you think about it, every... Thing you see on TV, uh-huh. they had a makeup and hair person. Absolutely. When yeah. you look at even your your textbooks, your school books, any images that you see, they had a hair and makeup person. And also, this is not like it's not a degree. So people think that like it's nothing, but it's a skill set. It's an actual a skill, skill yeah. that I can take anywhere with me in the world absolutely and it's a skill that people will always need and it's a skill that people will not trust a computer to do Do yeah and it's something and it's here it's personal it's to very, you it's personal so, so you're gonna always want the best exactly. and you know you're always gonna want that person to touch your crown and bless it exactly and that's it you so know. I think that's one of the biggest misconceptions mm-hmm. is that 
you you can't go that far or you can't be productive. You can't be a businesswoman. You can't, you know, like you have to always be a salon owner to make it far or you have to manage people only to make it far. There's so many fields that you can do. Like I work behind the chair, but I'm also an educator for an international beauty brand. Yes. You know, so all of these things you can do with just that one mm. license. Exactly. And yeah. this international beauty brand allows me to travel, you mm-hmm. know, so and that's just with this one license, you know. So I do think that that's one of the biggest misconceptions that you can't go far with this. Mm-hmm. You totally can. You can go very far with it. And there is the sky's the limit. You don't there's no cap on it. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot, too, for my viewers that, as you said before, mm-hmm. that you know, there's, there's, for me, the biggest that I've heard is the, f- the finance, like you will never yes. be fine. Like I've always heard it from like my peers, my mm-hmm. parents, like you'll never be financially stable. Yeah. Like, why are you doing this? Why not be a doctor? Why not be, um, you know, why a not lawyer. work in a bank, exactly. a lawyer, a, a, nurse, a nurse, a nurse. Yes. Everyone's um, a doctor, lawyer, teacher, nurse. nurse. <laughs> exactly. So it was really when I started working in Spa and salon. I was just like, mm-hmm. oh wow, yeah. This is how much you know you guys made. I mean, my first salon in Manhattan really set the tone, but yeah. I didn't like the energy. Right. So I wanted to do that, do what they were doing, but I wanted to do it in a different setting. Setting, yeah. So I brought myself back to Brooklyn because Brooklyn is just yeah. so much wholesome. <laughs> so yeah, right. I'm doing doing all those things, but like finding the right. Space, space to and, do it. Yeah. yeah. And what's your calling, where you belong, and what's exactly. good for you both emotionally exactly. and mentally. Now, what advice mm-hmm. do you have for some of the listeners or viewers mm-hmm. that are interested in entering this industry? Go for it. Right? I would say go for it. If you're interested, go for it. You can always check out beauty schools, right? There's so many different avenues. You can start working as a receptionist in a salon kind of aesthetic. You can start working um, freelance. You know, you can do anything that's going to expose you. Not everything you need to have a monetary um, fund for. Right. So if you can shadow you know, um, in the very beginning, I used to make friends and do trade of services all the time. Mm-hmm. So when I was applying for jobs like Instagram and stuff like that wasn't so big, like no one was now when people when you apply for a hairdressing job or something like that, they want to say, what's your let me see your social media. They want to see it. It's they important. want to see it. Yeah. When I was first applying for jobs, they weren't asking for that. Right. And so I needed photos of my work. How am I going to be a student, find a model, do her hair and get a photographer and pay for all of that? So I found a model friend who had a photographer friend and I did her hair and makeup for her photos for free. And everyone worked for each other and shared the product. And so just finding the right people that you can share resources with. When I started building my book, I used to go out. And offer complimentary blow dries because I knew that once that person sat in my chair, they will come back. And so am I getting immediate money from mm-hmm. that blow dry? No, but I'm getting an immediate client right. that's going to come back and then pay for a different service. Maybe a haircut, maybe some color, you know. So just being creative and 
looking at different avenues and just knowing that you don't need um, money right away. You can build towards that. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. Okay. So you said making sure you're surrounding yourself with Mm -hmm. the right resources and building your book. Yes. Now, what other advice, because there are some listeners and viewers Mm -hmm. that are, you know, I like to say beauty enthusiasts that have yet to fully hone in Mm -hmm. on their skill set or where they would like to be. What advice would you give to them? I would tell them, try to figure out where in the beauty industry you would want to be Mm -hmm. and then use the internet and start looking up things in their city and their town. There's always things going on. Um, Um, I did a couple of like set work when I was in beauty school just so I can see, do I want to be a hairdresser that does photo shoots all the time and I realized I was bored I was freaking bored to do that a hundred percent of the time so yes I do have clients that will book me for set work but I enjoy having conversations and one-on-one experiences with my mm-hmm. client some people but may just hate a time that. gap yeah. yeah some people might hate that some people might hate washing the hair they just want dry styling so for me I want to see you from start to mm-hmm. end you okay. know but that there's no right and wrong, mm-hmm. but there is right and wrong for you. So finding that is very important. And then going out there and trying different avenues because you might say, oh, I like to I like to do weaves. Right. And then you go in and you start doing weaves and start getting heavy weave clientele. And then you're like, oh, my gosh, all I'm doing is install. you just pigeon pigeonhole yourself into one thing. Right. So then you're like, you haven't, you know, then really open up exactly. to everything so to then, see what you really like. But then you tried it. Right. So right. Then you're like, I like doing weaves, but I don't like doing weaves this much. Right. But you've tried it to know it. And then maybe you say, uh, you know what? I want to start adding color to this. I'll do ways but have clients drop it off and I'll custom customize it. Mm-hmm. You just elevated yourself, so, but you would have never known if you didn't take the few steps, steps. to even try it. Right. And Go out, try it, do your research. Now, you know, we've been speaking about hair. Mm-hmm. Now, we've spoken offline about this. Now, mm-hmm. would you have ever considered makeup? I and did. if so, would you have married the two early on in your career? Probably. I thought that, like, right before beauty school, I thought I knew how to do makeup. And I liked how to do makeup. I liked how I did my face. I liked all the contouring and all the, all the stuff. The moment I went into beauty school and it became, like, we don't call blush, blush, we call it rouge. And you had to learn all the old school terms and, like, the shape of the eye and the shape of the face and it became so like, eh, eh, eh. I started hating it. Right. Yeah. No, I get yeah. it. Um, I was like, it's too, I don't, I don't want to play on people's faces. Right. I, I didn't like it. And then when we got to the waxing segment, I just, oh my gosh. So we waxed each other, right? And this is the <laughs> one time that I was like, I'll lose some points. I usually don't like to, don't take off points from my work for nonsense, right? Like, oh, we're going to take off five points for lateness or whatever, or whatever. So they were like, we will take off from your overall grade, which is like out of 100, we're right. going to take off about 15 points, I believe it was, if you choose not to wax a part of your face. 
And I was like, oh, my God, I got to trust someone to wax my face. I'm going to lose the 15 points. I'll get an 85. It's fine. Right? right. And so I let them wax my arm. The girl that I had to wax, she was like, do my eyebrows, had an allergic reaction to the wax. So when I ripped it, her skin came off on the, the wax paper and it scarred me. I never wanted to touch a face or a wax again. And to this day, I still just don't want to play on people's yeah. faces. Yeah, I just don't want to. <laughs> Got it. Because yeah. the reason why I asked, because a lot of the listeners, yeah. you know, they're deciding whether if they it's makeup do... or it's hair or, or if nails. it's clothes or it's a combo or if yeah. it's nails or, you know, so it's for me, you know, I start off with art. Mm-hmm. Then makeup. Yeah. Then makeup and skin. Uh-huh. Then hair. Uh-huh. And now film and TV, hair, wigs, uh-huh. all that. So what would you say would you would do here? I mean, makeup for for TV? Or are you more like I'm definitely into hair more now? I'm definitely into hair more. Mm-hmm. But I think that, you know, having the skills yeah. and doing makeup at such a young age, because I started when I was 16, yeah. that it definitely helped, you to know, push you. to push me. Mm-hmm. And I always like to say this, that artists paint, hairstylists, mm-hmm. sculpt, mm-hmm. but, you know, it's just a different canvas it is. to me. Yeah. But it's hard. In the beginning here, it definitely intimidated me, but... Having that background, you know, in beauty mm-hmm. early on made me, made me step my game yeah. up. I'm just like, I'm in New York. I'm amongst the best of, you know, people in the field. You know, I want to stand out. And beauty and, school is really fun because yeah. and important because they do have a salon section. So after right. you do all theory and like you're moving up, there is a part where you get to work on actual people. Right. And of course, like, that's the time where you make all the mistakes. And I had the luxury of having a teacher that never made me feel bad about, about making, making mistakes. mistakes yeah. She would always be like, make the mistake now. They're paying $5 for this haircut. You mess it up now because this is where you learn. Uh, when yeah. you step out and into the world, you start charging prices. That's not where you make those these mistakes. You make it in beauty school. And so... And I also, too, like that, you know... Coming that you had a teacher that really championed you. Yeah. I was like, it's okay to make those mistakes. Make them now. Exactly. And it kind of helps you, puts you in the mindset like, I can do anything. Exactly. I'm, I can try anything. I can try it's anything. It's okay to not get yeah. it right because I'm trying, right? right. And I'm yeah. learning. And I think that for me in beauty school, they were very, they pounded that into me that you're learning. Mm-hmm. Learn. And I think that's why I never let go, kind of like you never let go of the makeup. I kind of never let go of the education part because those things really shape, shape you. It really shapes you and it really, you know, you're able to pull from it. What affected you, you know, what affected you good and bad Mm -hmm. from your past to kind of dictate your next steps moving forward. Exactly. And on that tip, what's next for you? I want to know. Right. Um, So short term goals, right? I'm, I just started this job with the international beauty company. Mm-hmm. So just uh, so what I do for them is basically uh, salons, 
So it's a vegan hair care company. Right. Right. Which is very important to me right now. Um, I think that beauty can be sustainable. We do not need Absolutely. to um, put harmful things into our bodies just to be beautiful. We can do the same things we've been doing in a cleaner, safer way. Also, um, I don't believe in animal testing. I don't think that animals should suffer for human vanity. Mm-hmm. And so being able to switch over my products and and start on that clean and safe line that and that has really motivated me. Mm-hmm. But then now I go in and I teach salons that are making those steps how to do it, how to use the product and how to navigate it towards their guests and how to transition their guests from something that might not be so organic to something that is more vegan, lighter, cleaner, a different texture. Okay, wonderful. Now, where can our listeners, Mm -hmm. viewers, where can we find you? So you can find me on Instagram. Oh, we can hit up the DMs. Well, what? What's going on? Yeah, so you can DM me on Instagram, right? Um, I believe Kelly will uh, have my page on there tagged, right? Of course. (laughs) Um, So you can always DM me on Instagram. What's your handle? It is Kai underscore Evelyn. Um, And then also on that, there is a booking website, Gloss Genius. So it'll be Kai Evelyn at GlossGenius.com. There you You can access my email address. You can send me messages from there as well. You can book um, a consultation, whether in person or a video consult. So there's a couple of different avenues. I never really check out Facebook, but every once in a while. So if you're on Facebook and wrote me, I'm going to check it today. (laughs) Okay, nice. Well, Kai, I want to thank you so much for this wonderful sit down. This was amazing. You bring such a wealth of knowledge and experience. And I know our listeners can absorb everything that was discussed today and really utilize the workspace and really, you know, be able to read the room and just use tips and tricks about getting into the industry from you. So I want to thank you so much. For having this great sit down with me it was wonderful thank you for having me yes this was awesome thank you center stage beauty babes for joining me this week please subscribe to our social media on our instagram and tiktok center stage beauty podcast see you next time